Welcome to Storytime for the Apocalypse in miniature podcast form. Here, we remember the comfort of bedtime stories in childhood, of library stories and campfire stories that have soothed listeners and readers for the longest time. The word apocalypse means to uncover by removing a veil. That can mean readings about discovery, revelation, transformation, or things exploding, worlds ending, and sharks caught up in out-of-control tornadoes. There's room for all of that here. In life's endless complexity, story time is a brief rest in the safety and the impetus that beautiful words provide. This show is created on Tongva land. This Storytime mini-sode remembers the late Lewis McAdams by way of readings from Mike Songson, also known as Mike the Poet, Leela Higgins, Kat Superfisky, and Michael Atkins. They read in April 2020, just six days after Lewis's death. You'll also hear reflections from Sean Trethaway about my relationship with the Los Angeles River and some excellent discussion with Mike the Poet about graffiti culture, geography, and the LA River. On April the 21st, the world lost an incredible human and these four readers whose names you see on screen and I, we lost a treasured friend. Lewis was a charismatic and beautiful writer, strategist, dreamer, and urban environmentalist. Founder of Friends of the Los Angeles River, Lewis staunchly kept his promise to speak for the river in the human realm. His imagination and dogged commitment has catalyzed the ongoing trans transformation of one of the world's strangest and most important landscapes. A gifted poet, writer, and educator, Lewis understood well the power of language to change reality. His influence on Los Angeles is enormous, and his passing early last Tuesday, right on the eve of Earth Day, has prompted an outpouring of both grief and gratitude as so many of us recognize his impact on our city and our lives. To celebrate Lewis's legacy, I present to you four incredible friends of his. The poet of Los Angeles City Streets, Mike Songskin, science education superstar, Leela Higgins, the city ecologist for Los Angeles, Kat Superfisky, and the communications and impact manager of Friends of the LA River, the organization that Lewis so boldly founded, um, Michael Atkins. And the four of them will read their selections of Lewis's work. I'm going to be reading a selection from Lewis's book, Africa and the Marriage of Walt Whitman and Marilyn Monroe. And this piece is titled New Moon Fading. New Moon Fading, Culver City before dawn in the rain, inky mile after gridded mile. Forgot my sandwiches, so I missed my bus. Had to race past the Venice post office twice. Ghostly figure past the Ace Gallery with a sack lunch and a book chasing the 639. I think we'll call this one Work Moon because we're going to work. We're going to work, 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 work. We're going to work, 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 work. He who digs Los Angeles is Los Angeles. 
Los Angeles, you swallow up nearly all the Southwest water, nearly all its available air and light. So you must give everything back enthusiastically in story and song. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm going to be reading a poem called To Artesia. Uh, it's the poem I read on every single one of the uh, river tours I lead with Cat Superfisky. I think of the river the way it reads in a Sam Shepard story, Cruising Paradise. A huge concrete serpent, a dumping ground for murder victims. I think of the river besides a freeway off-ramp as rollerbladers bent into it, spandex buttocks rotating, roll downstream. I think of William Mulholland's gentle limpid stream, coursing from a pharaoh's forehead or from the brow of a Rhine maiden, green-eyed and coffee-colored, a bracelet of drowned children wrapped around her wrist. Descending from the mountains east of Irwindale into the Jardin de Rocas, the river is a rigorous mistress, but when you tickle her with your deeds, you can hear laughter from beneath her concrete corset. This one is called The Founding of Friends of the Los Angeles River. Pat Patterson, Roger Wong, and me met Fred Fisher at the Old Challenge Dairy on Vine Street for an early morning cup of coffee. We are on our way down to the river for the first time. We carry our heavy-duty wire clippers to cut through the fence beside the First Street Bridge, courtesy of Greg Gannon. Then we climb down the steep cement-covered bank to the river. We don't know where we're going exactly. We walk upstream to where the Arroyo Seco flows into the Los Angeles. This must have been one of the most beautiful places around here once. A thicket, a confluence, an avalon at the meeting of year-round streams. Deer quiver at the edge of memory. Night herons splash. There are steelhead. We don't like to look back. Now there are railroad tracks on both banks of the river. Three freeway bridges, the 10, the 110, and the 5 all cross it. Through a tunnel of gray with couches and people sleeping in abandoned automobiles, the arroyo meekly flows. Since cement is just inverted riverbed, they have to repave it. Today, there's 30 guys with jackhammers leveling the river ahead of an airport runway paving machine. It makes an unholy clatter, so we address ourselves to the river. We ask if we can speak on its behalf and the human realm. We can't hear the river saying no, so we set to work. This one's called uh, River Boy Mask. I built this river, not with my hands, but with my imagination. Now it's Super Bowl Sunday, and the Eagles are underdogs and patriots. So practice the patience that you learned from the sedge, unchanged from millennia, because it made a deal with the waiting birds to write their sacred names with cloudbursts on moving water. I built this river not with my dreams, but with my drama. Though now I feel it ebbing, drying up, and cracking like a mud man's mask. I built this river with my karma, just so I would have a park bench to sit on when I had no other place to go. Mike Thonkskin, Mike the Poet, one of the many wonderful things that you do is that you lead spoken word walking tours of Los Angeles. I cannot wait to sign up for one of these. But given that right now we can't go anywhere in real life, I wonder if you might give us 
an imaginary brief tour of one of your favorite places in Los Angeles. Take us there um, in your words, if you would. LA's historic core started with five main streets, Main Spring, Broadway, Hill, and Olive. Spring Street was called Wall Street of the West, and Broadway had hills and train tracks. Okay, you know what, there's so many different neighborhoods and so many different spots, it's hard to narrow it down to just one, but I'm gonna do a little bit of a, just a big collage. Um, there's a lot of great places to go in LA. One of the most lesser known things that a lot of people don't know that you can actually do is go to the top of City Hall. I know Kat knows this working for the city, yes. but um, you can go to the top of City Hall and there's an observation deck on the 27th floor and it's entirely free. They're not open on Saturdays and Sundays, but Monday through Friday, you can go to the top of City Hall. And another thing I like to do, I like to, uh, I do tours along the river, but I've also done tours of neighborhoods like Lamert Park and Boyle Heights. And I like to do more tours about the literary history and another favorite place I do where I always take my students is the Great Wall of Los Angeles, uh, the, great, the great mural done by Judy Baca, uh, which is 2,800 feet long. And up until recently, it was the longest mural in the world. And it's a 10,000-year history of L.A. And actually, uh, Judy Baca is very much like Louis McAdams. And um, Judy Baca was using art to transform the city, and she's painted over 100 murals around L.A., and wanted to use murals as this idea of public history. And the Great Wall of Los Angeles, of course, is also along the Tahunga Wash. And believe it or not, the Army Corps of Engineers were the ones that actually asked her to paint that mural in the mid-1970s. But if you've never been to the Great Wall of Los Angeles, it's along Coldwater Canyon, and it's incredible. It's in between Oxnard and Burbank Boulevard in the San Fernando Valley. And I really encourage people to go to the Great Wall of Los Angeles because you can walk along it and see an incredible history of the city. Thank you so much. You have totally stoked the fire of my love of Los Angeles. I too love the top of City Hall. Fantastic views of the river. And, um, and one, of the, one of the ways to get that kind of overarching sense of what's going on in the downtown core of the city, it reminds me that Lewis, um, and somebody on this call will know this detail better than me, but he found a way of getting onto the rooftop of the city jail to get a better view of downtown and the river. Um, does anybody does anybody have command of that story who'd like to share it? I went on a roof with him in 2005 in downtown. Was it the jail? No, it was uh, it was at Seventh in Spring where he had his lofts where he was living at the time. Uh -huh. But uh -huh. he liked to do things like go on rooftops yeah. and um, we did we a couple of other times uh, when there was there was a bunch of murals being painted along the river that eventually ended up getting whitewashed by the city and there was a whole controversy about it in 2007. Mm. I, I even written an article about it I need to dig out and find but um, we took a few adventures along the river and um, I, the first time I met him was in 1999 with Gary Snyder and Mike Davis and, and Lewis were all reading at the LA River Center and I was a young poet at the time just barely I just had just graduated from UCLA and Lewis was very kind and he took my friends and I in and we did a bunch of poetry readings with him in the early 2000s and, and really over the last 17, 18 years. And I'll never forget his kindness and how encouraging he was. And he didn't have to take the time to be so cool. And we literally did dozens of readings with him. And I always appreciate how uh, his kindness and his encouragement. And he really modeled for me how to, how to um, you know, give a hand and share and the ideas of three generations on the same stage. Um, so um, I will forever be grateful to Lewis McAdams. 
Yeah, I, I felt that same kindness. I came here as an incredibly naive grad student from Australia. Um, I'd been researching the river, but I'd actually never set foot on it. And um, I showed up at FOLA to, you know, troll through their archives and figure out what the hell I was meant to write about and who the hell I was meant to be. And, um, and Lewis really was by my side right through that. Um, I remember he used to introduce me with this kind of like confused but generous uh, skepticism about what on earth I was doing. In <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and as the years went on um, and we got to know each other better, it was um, really remarkable to kind of deepen that friendship and, and share more and more about the river. Um, so yeah, I feel you, um, that his willingness to give time to people is something that um, I absolutely treasure. You know, um, the, the famous graffiti artist Chaz, he was the first okay. graffiti artist to, to ever be in the, in the Smithsonian. Mm. And he really started right at the confluence where the Arroyo Seco, where, the, where of course the Arroyo Seco feeds into the LA River, right there where the 110 and the 5 and the 2 meet. But there's a great new book about LA graffiti. Um, it's called The City Beneath by Susan Phillips. Yeah. And I just wrote about it for KCT. It should be out in another week or two. But that book is excellent. And um, there's another great book from a guy named Stefano Block, who was, who was also originally known as Cisco, the graffiti artist from this crew called CBS. And Cisco has now got a PhD and he's a cultural geographer. But in the 80s and 90s, he was one of the most prolific graffiti artists in LA. And before he got his PhD in geography, he was already an expert in LA geography. But Cisco lived across the street from the Great Wall of Los Angeles. And while he was still in high school, while he was still in graffiti crews, he got politicized looking at the Great Wall of Los Angeles. And later on, he studied, later on, he found out the history of the LA River, and he found out why the rivers were, were put into concrete and, and all of that history. But there's really, you know, it's amazing how central the river's influence is on the city, but also this idea of doing art along the river, whether it be these murals painted, whether it be illegal graffiti, whether it be Lewis McAdams using poetry. Um, I always tell the story. I used to ride along the San Gabriel River with my grandfather and I. We used to ride our bikes, and we would ride from his house in Long Beach down to Seal Beach. And I would ride on, I would ride my bikes. You know, we would ride our bikes on the riverbed. And, you know, when I was in college, I finally learned this history. And But I remember driving over the river hundreds and hundreds of times, like, what is that concrete, you know? And later on learning the story and um, – later on meeting Lewis and finding out all of his history, but it's amazing how history can be beneath your feet. And, and really it takes something like poetry or it takes these stories and it takes the art to really make it come alive and the, the deeper history of the city. Yeah, you're so right. Um, the, the purpose of, or the power, I should say, of imagination is just absolutely embodied, isn't it, in the LA River story? We've got a question in the chat about who did the cat tunnels in the 70s. So as far as I can understand from the primary sources, the first cat um, paintings in the river were done by a Burbank housewife whose name was Jacqueline Meyer, and she dragged her husband and her kids down to the river on, uh, I think it was Memorial Day, I'd have to double check. Um, and they painted the first cats. Leo Lamont saw them um, 
on his way to school or on his way to Griffith Park. And, uh, and he was like, yeah, I could paint those. He had, um, he'd been experimenting with painting the human form and he struggled heaps with like the anatomy of humans, but cats worked for him. Those of you who know the LA River will know that the stormwater drain covers are um, shaped very much like a, like a cartoon cat with, um, with cute pointy ears and a big round face. And so, yeah, Jack, Jacqueline Meyer saw that opportunity, first of all, um, housewife from Burbank. She was the first one to, as far as I know, to create um, cat graffiti on the river. And then Leo Lamont um, very ably followed in her footsteps and he brought colour and um, an incredible kind of style and sass to, um, to painting um, the cats spelled with the letter Z at the end. Um, there is a photo of the original Jacqueline Meyer um, pieces from the LA Times. Maybe I'll find a way to share that with you all too. Lila, um, today was the final day of the fifth annual City Nature Challenge. It's now an international community science event and you're the co-founder of it. I wanted to ask you if you've noticed any um, changes or um, observations about um, nature in the pandemic compared to previous years. Tell us what's been going on. Um, so yeah, it, we're in the last day. Uh, it goes until 11.59 p.m. each city's time. Over 245 cities took part around the world. And obviously we're all in different various states of lockdown. Um, so we obviously wanted everyone to stay safe and to have that be the number one priority. So we've encouraged people to make observations in their own homes, in their own backyards, on their porch lights. Um, I set up a sheet with a light outside and I'm going to go look for bugs uh, out after this. Um, and we've been noticing, you know, we have more people participate this year than we did last year. Um, we have more species discovered this year than last year. We've made less observations overall, but um, those observations have been much more urban. We haven't like dissected the data yet, um, but everyone's been staying close to the home as we all are in these states of lockdown, safer at home um, or shelter in place or whatever each individual government is doing. Congratulations on delivering an event that is complex at the best of times and must have made um, been remarkably taxing in this time. Um, amazing. I cannot wait to see what comes out of it. The next person I want to hear from is Kat. Kat, I checked with you beforehand if it was too soon to ask this question because I know how close um, you and Lewis were, but you told me you were ready for this, so, so let's give it a go. What's one thing that you appreciate more deeply now because of Lewis's influence on your life? I think to me, honestly, and I've been doing a lot of like internal reflecting in the last week um, since he passed. And the thing that keeps coming up the most is, is his creativity. And um, I don't know if that's the best word to be using to describe it. But to me, when I first met Lewis, it was very obvious to me that um, he didn't play by any rules other than his own and, and the ones that he knew he needed to be um, unleashing on the world. And to me, I love the fact that our river here in Los Angeles is being revitalized because a poet decided to do that. Even in his approach to starting Friends of the Los Angeles River, it was creative. 
everything he then did with that organization and through his life was was his own and his own kind of unique brand. He, you know, would would fund reports and plans that needed the end of funding. He would organize hundreds of thousands of, or, you know, thousands of people to then be able to go out and clean the river as it would, you know, some big art piece. Um, he would, he put the plans, the policies, the projects in place. He was always that person and he used that organization and the organization continues to creatively fit into wherever it's needed to accomplish these overall goals. And so to me, I've just been really reflecting on that a lot of where you don't have to be stuck in a box or call yourself one thing or you know, feel bad about shifting and shaping over time that actually that adaptation is beautiful. And it's to me, it's creatively beautiful. So I've, I've definitely um, done a lot of, of reflecting on that. And that to me is just one of the things that has stuck most with me about, about Lewis and, and his life. And it's no accident that it's one of the things that characterizes your life as well, right? <laughs> very true. It's very, very true. Very true. Michael Atkins, you have a creation story about your friendship with Lewis that I absolutely adore. And I want to invite you to share it now. Tell us how you first encountered Lewis. Kat, your answer is a perfect segue, uh, which I believe Tilly must know. But, uh, you know, I grew up in a place where the the bridge that I would take into the city was named after a poet. So it wasn't that crazy to me that a river would be, like a poet would lead a river or be tied to a river. Um, but I wanted to read today's poem because I'm from South Jersey and from Delaware River Watershed. Uh, I absolutely remember the Sunday that is being discussed within the poem. I remember where I was, how, what was it going on in my life. Um, but Lewis's magic reached me before I reached Los Angeles. And I, in this past week of also reflecting, remember, I knew this a little bit before, but I was just kind of thinking about the profoundness of this. But I've always had a connection to jazz with my family and found his book on jazz on the street in New York and just like took it and had it in my possession for years. And then four years later, moved to LA and then was in the space of needing to find places to go. I live on the east side. I live where the river is the primary natural connection and started volunteering for Folar, became a docent and met Lewis McAdams when he would greet docents in, in the mornings. And uh, so what struck me was someone that could exist as an influential character with, their, with both their words and their actions and be already an icon, uh, was also someone incredibly generous with time and recognized that every single person needed to be met on their level because they're gonna carry the torch. And I think that uh, it's been a very powerful week for those of us, uh, very close to this Lewis or the river and what's possible. Um, but those are some lessons that I feel like I observed and I'm still learning their wisdom, so to speak. And uh, for that, I'm eternally grateful. So am I, Michael, thank you. Um, finding his book on the street is just such a remarkable, no, yeah, coincidence was, is not a good enough word, right? Something it's, else. It was, it's weird because I also, you know, I've always kind of tried to learn more about jazz as a connection to an aged aunt who was like a female jazz drummer. I've always thought the world of this aunt. And so I can remember being like, this will help me speak to Aunt Joyce. And uh, it was completely beyond me and two years later what influences they would have and the person. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't, it's weird. It is definitely classifiably weird. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Questions, reflections, comments, anything. Yes, Sean. 
Well, I would just like to say that I was with Tilly the first time she saw the LA River, as well as the first time I showed her a thing that I thought was the LA River. And I said, there it was, and it turned out to be something else. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's always been remarkable how passionate Tilly, her just, she fell in love with the river and the history of the river and everything about it. And um, uh, I just want to thank you, Tilly, for sharing yourself with everyone because you are a very special person. <laughs> so we had a rule that we wouldn't make each other cry on the <laughs> event. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Lewis and I used to laugh about that actually because I thought I had met the LA River when Sean was having this like childhood reminiscence about the LA River, but he was having it on the edge of a channelized tributary of the Santa Ana River in Orange County. And, um, and so I, for quite a while, until I started poring over maps and really digging into my own research, I was like, yeah, I've been to the LA River. You know, I had my, I had my creation story at the LA River. And so, um, but I didn't because Sean and I were both confused about geography. And Lewis always used to generously say, well, you know, relatively speaking, it's pretty much the same given how far you've traveled to be here. <laughs> <laughs> ever generous and ever able to find a rationale for things. And that, my friends, was your story time for the Apocalypse Minisode. To experience this immersive storytelling event live, go to storytime4.net. Storytime for the Apocalypse is created by me, Tilly Hinton, and produced by Stephen Sean Trethaway. Until next time, may the comfort of storytelling hold you tight.